we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckstables? All right. I'm in a hotel room in New York City. I got to be honest with you. I'm exhausted, but I did it. I finally did it. I've been here since Saturday night. I was in Austin before that. I haven't been home in over a week, it feels like. And I didn't think it was going to happen, but I'm sitting here looking at a half-eaten corned beef sandwich from the Carnegie Deli. You know, you go to New York, things you've done over and over again throughout your life that give meaning and consistency to your New York experience. I didn't think it was going to happen. And here I am, about a half hour away from leaving, and I'm shoving it in my face. A mountain of meat. I know a lot of you are concerned. You're out there. You're listening to me. Mark, didn't you just eat barbecue in Austin? We read on Twitter that you, you ate barbecue in Austin twice. Didn't you just eat, talk about that Chinese food that made your, your hand numb? Mark, what are you doing? Is this a, a slow suicide by lard? Is it a slow suicide by meat fat? Nope, everything's going to change. Everything's changing after this. Did I, did I mention, uh, I have to mention a lot of, sh- holy fuck, my show is on tonight. Everything we've worked for together, me and you guys, is on IFC this evening. 10 p.m. Eastern and uh, Western time. I think 9 p.m. in the central areas. Marin on IFC premieres tonight. I can't fucking believe it. I really can't believe I ate this sandwich. I mean, what am I, ridiculous? I mean, when does it stop? This is the sandwich that killed my people. Don't, don't emotionally avoid how excited you are about your show, Mark. Don't do that. I want to thank one of our listeners for helping us diagnose and fix the problem uh, from uh, the Vancouver episode. There was a sound issue that was there that uh, in the recording that uh, many people couldn't figure out the entire WTF team in Houston and on the Cape. We're trying to figure out it's a bad joke, NASA joke, whatever. We couldn't figure it out. What, what the hell was wrong with it? It'd been recorded improperly and we couldn't see it. We couldn't tell until people couldn't listen to it on mono devices. So this guy who goes by uh, L and his band is L bell. Uh, you can check out their uh, tunes at lbellmusic.com. Helped us out. Fixed the file. We reposted it. Thank you. Rock on, my friend. So you can check them out and, uh, and uh, you know, give them some love because they, they salvaged an episode. That never, it's never happened before. We, we couldn't crack it. That guy figured it out. Don't want to forget this. With everything else going on, it will be in Milwaukee tomorrow night. That's Saturday the 4th at the Paps Theater. Please come. Please come. All right. I said that. This, um, I'm getting used to this self-promotion thing. Don't think I'm going to... It's not going to always be like this. I promise. What a, what a whirlwind this has been. I want to thank you guys for uh, being there for me, for uh, putting up with my self-promotion, which I'm not great at. Uh, did I mention my book is out? Did you see how I did that? See how I... All right, my book came out. And d- don't get the wrong idea. I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not content. I'm excited. But I haven't changed. I'm just excited. I don't know why I keep promising you guys that 
that I'm not going to change. Maybe I will change. Jessica here is, is, here, is here with me. We had a lovely time. That doesn't happen all the time on vacations. But we did. I got my work done. We had nice dinners. I think, I, you know, I think when I showed up with the corned beef sandwich and only potato chips for her, that was not a great moment for us. But I think we're working through it. Well, she is. I feel pretty good about the sandwich. I'm sure she'll enjoy her chips. But let's get back to the important things. Huey Lewis is on the show today. I got the opportunity to interview Huey. Someone says, you want to interview Huey? I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to Huey Lewis. That's got to be a life. So we had a nice chat, which we'll get back to the garage for in just a second. I did Howard Stern for the first time uh, when I was in New York. I didn't think that would ever happen for me. And I was, it's, it's weird when you spend your life you know, wondering what something would be like, you know, whether if you were ever going to do that. And uh, the opportunity came up and, you know, you walk in. It's, it's interesting because he interviews people. I interview people. He obviously invented it on some level. He invented the modern interview. So I didn't know what to expect. I was very nervous. I thought he was going to dig something up. He was going to take me down, you know. Didn't know. Got over there, and when they bring you into the studio, he's already talking to you. Good trick. Good trick. Noted. Though I kind of do that already. Then, then the producer, Gary, throws the headphones on you with the microphone built in, and you're in conversation before, you even, before your ass even hits the chair. And we had a great talk. I, I didn't know what he was going to hit me with. I didn't know where we were going with anything. But I, I was fortunate in that he didn't wear his sunglasses the day I was there so I could see his eyes. He was very perky. He was uh, connected. Like I was watching him on the monitor in the dressing room doing his ad reads. I'm like, I get that. That's a radio guy in there. That's Howard Stern, but he's a radio guy. He's just doing his ad reads, eating. He's eating some melon. I'm like, that's Howard Stern eating melon right there. That's a, just a guy in there eating melon. I can talk to a guy who does a, an ad read and eats melon. I understand that. Sounds of New York. Sounds of New York. I got right in there and right away he was like, so you're, you're a jealous guy. You're a jealous guy. You're jealous. You're angry. You're angry at people. I'm like, yeah, aren't you? You know, so we got right into that. It was jealousy and anger. He did some uh, off-the-cuff uh, psychoanalyzing of my anger, anger issue based on something he read in my book about my father. I'm like, I think you got it. I think we fixed it. But it was a, it was a thrill, and I had a great conversation. I hung out with him an hour. Great conversation. Had a good time on Fallon, doing a lot of radio. I, it's just been crazy, a whirlwind. And uh, I think it all went pretty well. Uh, thank you for being there. Enjoy my show tonight. Record Bill Maher's show. Not going to say I'm going to be on it, but I'm going to be on it. So that's good. I'm, I'm competing against myself tonight in some markets, primarily the East Coast market. But it was a window of opportunity. I took it. I'm not. It's tapes. It tapes earlier. I'm going to be home to, to watch my show and be glued to my computer, to to wait for people to say shitty things on Twitter. You know what? I'm going to switch that. Today, I'm only going to look at the good things. Okay. All right. That's a promise. You won't see me engaging with bad shit. I'm not going to promise on anyone's grave because I, you know, it, it's. It's a wobbly promise, but I think I can keep it. All right. Do you have a problem with those chips? What, that was the only chips they had. Are they no good? Oh, they're pop chips? That was the only thing they had at the place. I went to the one place. We'll get you some other chips later. 
I'll buy you. I'll buy you a whole sandwich of some kind. Now let's talk to Huey. There you go. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, man. Huey Lewis. How do you like that? Hey, you're good. still you're still out there doing the work. I am. It's amazing, man. Oh well, I'm young, and, and you look you look well. <laughs> you know, I always say if there's not surprise in their voice when they say you look good, if somebody says you look good, you know, uh, they should say, "Wow, you look good." Yeah, yeah. Well, and if they say that, they mean it. Otherwise, it's just, they're just. They're well, just... I haven't seen you in a while. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know you, and yeah. I, I know you like most people know you. I mean, you know, you were you were everywhere for a while, and then people were like, "What's he up to?" And you never stopped working. True. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, you know, we're a band. We're a m- band and we play. Yeah. We play music the old-fashioned way. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, how many, like, number one hits have you had? <laughs> oh, gee, you're embarrassing me. Come on, man. You're embarrassing Am me. Am I? No. What? Yeah, I, I don't know. You don't? I actually don't know. I mean, uh, f- I don't know. A lot. Num- number one? Well, I mean, top ten. Well, top ten, I a think lot. there's uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but what I didn't really- You're embarrassing me. Oh, you'll, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. But uh, what I didn't realize was that, uh, you know, when when you grow up with listening to someone's music or being around for it, that, you know, you came at a certain time. You know, there was a time where, you know, you guys were popular. That's right. And, and it, was, uh, it was like post-New Wave, just post-New Wave. Mm-hmm. And you kind of brought back that kind of like working man integrity of solid fucking rock and roll music. And all of a sudden, you're everywhere for a little while. But I didn't realize that y- you've been, you were hammering at it for years. Yeah, and sure. that you came up the real way. You weren't some flash yeah. in the pan. <laughs> I think we, I think we all did, really. Yeah, you know, some I mean, people in, in those days. Yeah, and and you know, and 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 we were, and really to just to address your earlier point, we it, it was the uh, records and those things are are sign of the, you know they're, they're pro- a product of the times. Yeah, it's pop music, right? Do you know what I mean? Sure. We're not. It's not jazz here. This yeah. is pop music. Sure. So the 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 times are important in that, and that's what uh, it's funny because this is our thirtieth sports anniversary of that record tour of wow. that record, and we're going to tour it, and we're going to do some giveaway stuff and do a big deal of the thirtieth thing. Yeah, and and you know I realized like thirty years ago. What a different world. It was completely radio-driven, everything. Yep. There was no internet. There right. was no jam band scene. No, no. So if you wanted to exist as a right. band and make records, right. you had to have hit singles. Yeah. And so our, our record, Sports, yeah. which is now we're talking a lot about because it's this year and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. is and as I, I suddenly had this realization that it is a collection of singles. Right. Because we knew we needed a hit. Right. And we didn't know which one was going to hit. Right. So we aimed every single track at the radio because radio was king. Right. And and, and that's completely di- changed. And, did, and uh, okay, so the, like, so the songs on that, The Heart of Rock and Roll, Heart and Soul, Bad is Bad, I Want a New Drug, Walking on a Thin Line, uh, Finally Found a Home, If This Is It, You Crack Me Up, Honky Tonk Blues. But that, that's a Hank Williams song. But fucking, I Want a New Drug? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that bu- that fucking that song was huge. I mean, like it's like you know, like I can hear it in my head. Yeah, well, you're, yeah, you're sweet to say <laughs> That's that. The, that is a pop song. That yeah. is the fucking signature yeah. of it. Yeah. But I mean, it took you a while to get there. I mean, how did you? Because I know you're a Bay Area guy for a while. Right. But where'd you grow up, and, and what was the journey, man? I mean, where'd you grow up? Well, I I uh, was born in New York City. 
Yeah. And, but moved to California when we were when I was four. What, oh, so the sandboxes weren't very good. Yeah, anymore. yeah, no, so, no, dangerous. They're yeah. dangerous sandboxes. Yeah, so yeah, we went right. to better sand. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but I grew up in Marin County, California. That's nice. And my 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 I had a very bohemian family both my dad who was a jazz drummer doctor but a jazz drummer by by hobby and a, uh-huh. and a, and a piano player oh and yeah my, my mom was uh an artist and polish and and the first kind of a hippie and then and then then not just kind of hippie a real hippie and then uh, so my dad sent me away to prep school convinced me that, that would be because your mom was too much of a hippie yeah <laughs> like what does that mean like were they well, she we, we were taking acid and with were they tied up with the uh with the the crew the bay area original yeah, very, crew. very well. With yeah, Timothy Lear when he visited the West Coast, yeah, boom, you know Ginsburg yeah. and and uh, all the beat poets and stuff. So and your folks were hanging out with them. My mother was. Uh-huh. My, my, they got they got they split up because because mom went off the reservation. Mom got to be yeah. <laughs> mom went left big time. Although my dad is just as crazy. To yeah, yes, yeah. but but, but he didn't like the drug thing, so. right? So did he, you, he thought cocktails were enough? Sure, the old school. Yeah. So did, do you have recollection of uh, very much? Of, I mean, I, I, of Leary in that in that crew. Or well, what? I literally. I remember one night I woke up in the morning. Yeah. It was like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Or two. No, must have been midnight or one o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And I was. Um, uh, let me get it approximately right. Yeah. I must have been. You know, fifteen or fourteen, yeah. maybe fourteen. No, 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 no. What am I talking about? I was, th- I was probably thirteen. Right, old enough to know though. Something. And I woke up and I, wa- and I walked out into the living room and there's Allen Ginsberg in the corner with finger symbols. Yeah, and yeah. Magda would, my mom would bring the no-name bar home uh, right, occasionally, right. which was the the the, ver- the beatnik bar yeah, yeah, yeah. in Sausalito, right next to the Tides bookstore uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff. And you know, and Mingus and oh really? And, uh, yeah, and. Uh, uh, they were hanging out at your house, John Handy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Jazz musicians and just jamming and talking. Well, and no, like, just you know, drinking high, and, yeah. <laughs> doing what people do after the gig. I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did that have any? I was uh, a kid. But did it have any effect on you? Was it like? Was that one of those signposts where you're like, that's that's what I want to do? No, not really. <laughs> Nothing. I was. I was. I was. I guess. I. I guess. You know, I was young, so yeah. it wasn't really. It was but just, it, so that was in the what, late fifties. Yeah. No, this is kind of very 61, 62, 63. Yeah. And then, right. Right. So it was all just happening. The, the B thing. thing was kind of arcing. Thing. That's right. And then the the sixties thing hadn't taken off exactly. Yet. So so it wasn't attractive to you. They, those guys were just dirty hippies. Uh, you know, my musical tastes went the other way as well. I mean, that's why I listen to soul music all right. the time because the the hippie thing was like, you know, we 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 were there. We went to Fillmore all the time. Saw all the bands. With your and, parents? Well, my mom did. Yeah, yeah, my mom would condone all this stuff at that point. Right. Know, so, so she was just taking her kid. Yeah. And, and I'm and, I'm at prep school, and then I come back for the summertime. Right. And this. Th- explosions happening you know in san francisco <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's been summers like that and then back to prep school so yeah. you're wearing an outfit to go to school and then you're you come home to your mom who's like loses the blazer we're right. going to the fillmore that's right that's right that's <laughs> who'd exactly you see right. yeah. do you huh? remember who you saw at the fillmore yeah sure we saw charles lloyd quintet the the great uh um uh south side charlie musselwhite south side sound system musselwhite yeah, yeah with with harvey mandel and guitar yeah charlie now you know i'm a harmonica he's player up in the well. bay area still, yeah right? right and we're pals well we're not but but you know we're we're from the same place man. was my a harmonica one of my one of my neatest things is to call him a contemporary sure know? man i mean so harmonica was like your first instrument yeah 
Yeah, yeah. My and, first and only, really. I mean, I don't play anything but harmonica. And you, and you can and you can hold you can you can run with the best of them. Well, no, I don't know. You know, it really, uh, who was it said is you know you got to have something to say. You sure, know? sure. So if you and you only need the chops to say what you need to say. So that's, well, it that's depends on what it is that you want to say. You that's know? interesting, yeah. And uh, and it's a different voice. Like, uh, sound, harmonica is a reed instrument, so sure. nobody sounds the same. I mean, right. you know, it's, it, the sound comes from your cavity, comes from your body. Right. So it's... Uh, you know, and once you learn how to bend those notes, boy, then that—that's the big breakthrough with harmonica, where you just figure out how to pull your throat down so that you can right. bend it and move well, it. Well, and and actually go to certain notes that aren't on the scale. Well, right. Uh, Howard Levy, who's a, just an amazing harmonica player, has figured out how to play all those overtones and stuff, and he plays, you know, bop oh, on, really? on a diatonic harmonica. Really? Oh, he's tremendous. I was, I like, uh, like, oh, I'm a little Walter guy, and right. uh, yeah, and yeah. that stuff, that's pretty deep. Well, Walter, you know, interesting thing about Walter is if, if you go back and listen to uh, early Little Walter and and Ben Webster from the same period. Yeah, that's who Walter was listening to. Oh, ben really? Webster and, and Illinois Jaquette, the the sax players. Yeah, you can uh, always track it, can't you? Yeah, I mean, and uh, that's he, he his genius was to turn it around, and play blues position, and and play it through that distorted amp with to, that he, big old uh, microphone. Yeah, and yeah. get that he get that crystal mic and right. get that uh, saxophone. Sound. Right, like on Roller Coaster. Was that yeah. the name of that riff? That's, it. that's crazy. Yeah. Did you, was there ever a moment where you sat down like I'm going to learn every lick on this motherfucker? Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah. We've, almost all harmonica players can play ro- roller coaster. Really? Yeah, that's I think a, so. That's a that's a tough run though, isn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it is. Well, and of course, it's not just playing it; it's playing it with feel, and it's how you play it. You well, know? I think that's interesting what you said, especially because of my realization as you know, basically a garage guitar player, is that it took me a long time to realize that it really is the feeling that you know you can. Your your expertise or your musicianship uh-huh. is just it's relative to what you can communicate through what your your instrument is or your voice or whatever. Or, and there's foie gras, and then there's hamburgers. Yeah, you hamburgers know? are always better. And, and no, 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 <laughs> yeah. not necessarily. I right, mean, well, maybe you can eat that more I like often. Foie gras, right, occasionally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my point is, is that they're different. The two things are different. Yeah. And there's pop music, and there's you know serious. Uh, virtuosic music. Yeah, know, yeah, so. yeah. So when you okay, so you grew up in the Bay Area, and once you when did you get out of there? Because it sounds like you're as, as exciting as it would have been for for many people to grow up in the environment you were growing up in. It got a little tedious. The Bay Area. Well, yeah, and the hippie thing, and you know that. Well, no, we just we listened to KDIA. Yeah, uh, across the Bay, which was in all in all our little bands that we had in Marin County. That's really the common thread of the news is that. Johnny and Sean and Bill Gibson and Mario, we we dug the funky stuff, right? Because it was kind of a rebelling against the hippie thing, the hippie thing. So it was basically R and B soul music. And interestingly enough, KDIA in Oakland mm-hmm. is the one and only sister station of WDIA in Memphis. And so, in some cases, like a Rance Allen record, would which was on Truth Records, a gospel record, yeah, and they had uh, "Ain't No Need in Crying," yeah, oh, yeah. and they, and they would he would they, that in some cases maybe only got added to those two stations because Memphis was right there next to Stacks, see Stacks, right, and Truth right. was part of Stacks, right, right. So the first play, the first station to play any Stacks record was WDIA, and so we and then the second one was KDIA, and we know songs that nobody else. 
almost heard, you know? Right. And and then there was a lot in the late- Johnny Taylor, a lot of Johnny Taylor stuff. Right. You know? And in the late 60s, it seems like, because you're talking about the early 60s, right? In yeah. the late 60s, yep. it seemed like Graham was starting to integrate that. Like, you know, there were there was soul coming through the film yeah. more. There was like, you know, stuff, yeah. it became more popular. Exactly. Interesting, man. Well, that was Bill, Bill. Bill saw the human being where they had all this different stuff. And right, said, right. Let's do that. Did you ever come in contact with those bands like the the Dead and those guys? I mean, were they were they around? Sure. <laughs> you mean were they around? Well, I mean, when you were a kid, like you're when you. Well, I used to go see them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I started playing harmonica right there with Pigpen. Yeah. You know? Did you Pigpen, know him? No, never met him. Never met him. But you saw him and you were like, that was sort of inspiring. Oh, he was fantastic. And then through him, I discovered Junior Wells, you know, and and then, then went the other way and all that kind of right. stuff. But, but yeah, it started kind of, as a, they, they were right in our backyard. They were older than we were. In some cases, they were our brothers. Mario, our bass player, his brother John was in the Quicksilver Messenger Service. Really? Yeah. And uh, so we were the like so the like sons, your, right? The older uh, brothers, uh, yeah. yeah. And 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 Johnny and Billy's band had uh, Dan Shalek, who was Dave Shalek from the Sons of Champlin's brother, right? And so it was, you know, in some cases, our our older siblings and our and in my case, my mother, yeah, favorite bands, yeah, were the were the Grateful Dead and everything else. So we had to find something that was our own. So you were living on the hate around there. No, no. Yeah, we, we were, were living in Marine County. Right, right. Yeah, no, nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So was Pigpen a good player? Yeah. Yeah. Killer. It's, it's hard to tell, like, because there's not a lot of it on the dead records. I mean, he didn't live that long. Oh, they were, they, he, he, they were, he was great, man. Yeah. They, well, they were a great band. They oh, still, yeah. you know, they were real great. They Jerry's, were. Jerry was great. He was, wasn't he? Jer oh, he was great, man. <laughs> he was really great. And it was a real unique sort of blending of sounds. They, as time went on, yeah. I think they got kind of pigeonholed. And they invented that jam band thing, but boy, those like those early Dead records and what they were doing was fucking sweet. Yeah, and they were they they were the originals. They were the first guys. You know, think about it. It was love, love me do. Yep. You know, I and then came the Dead. I yeah, mean, it's like, what you know, is and that? they were, well, what, yeah. they started every tune with the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? There would be yeah. minutes of that between songs. Yeah, so they'd just break down in the middle of a concert mm -hmm. and do Space Jam for like, a, you know, it was like a bathroom break. Mm -hmm. The drums would just start and you're like, oh, Christ. And you just wait it out. Yeah. What are they going to go into? And then they turn the whole audience onto acid. That's always a good show business ploy. Yeah, sure, that'll man. Work. That'll yeah. work. Yeah, maybe they'll remember the show. Yeah, that yeah. might make it memorable. Well, that was at the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Where'd they do that? That first one was down at that, uh, like the the dock workers union building down on- Longshoreman's Hall. Long Longshoreman's Hall. Yeah. Were you at that? No. Was your uh, mom? Let's see. First time I saw the dead. I'll tell you what. You know what's interesting? What? The first time I saw the dead yeah. was at Cafe Agogo in New York City. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess it might not have been the first time, but I was at prep school. Uh -huh. And I went. I was the only one who knew who they were. Yeah. And it, it, Cafe Agogo held about 150 people. Uh -huh. people right in the village. So what? This would be like, the, like 64, 65? Like 65, I think. Yeah. And they were and they're all dressed up and looking good and doing being the weird ones that they were. Yeah, yeah, kinda. Uh -huh. But it was it was way different because I that's right I had seen them. Yeah, I had seen them because they were sort of larger than you know like at the Fillmore they were with a light show. Yeah, sure, and sure. Bing and the yeah, big yeah, stage yeah, yeah. And, all, and now suddenly they're at Cafe I go and I was like on top of them. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. was strange. A yeah. little <laughs> twin reverb. Bobby Weir's playing through a little twin. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's different. 
Wow. So did so when you were in New York, I mean, you were out going to clubs when you were like that young, like 14 or 15. Right. Did you ever like tap into like the New York scene? Because like, there was sort of competing psychedelic scenes between like the, the Warhol crew and the fucking uh, West Coast right. crew. Yeah. Did you see those guys? Well, I was, that's, that's, I was there a little earlier than that. My scene, my, when I was at, at prep school. What prep school did uh, you go Lawrenceville School yeah. in New Jersey. Uh, we would go to Philadelphia for the folk scene was big. Okay. This is 63, 64, 65. Uh-huh. And in, in the East Coast, and 60, uh, up to 65 and finally 66. Yeah. And the East Coast had, you know, Kerner Ray and Glover, Snaker, Dave Ray. Tom Rush played at the second fret in Philadelphia. Von Ronk. Uh, yeah, Phil Von exactly. Ronk. Dave Van Ronk. Dave Von Ronk, exactly. yeah. Exactly, yep. And they were doing that, and yeah. that was the, that was the scene there. The folk. What did you think of that business? Well, I dug, I dug it, I, and I especially dug the bluesy stuff. Right. You know, uh, John Kerner, man, Spider John Kerner, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that guy. Oh, he's fantastic. Wow. And Tony Glover was a harmonica player. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 really good, man. So when did your actual sort of musical journey start? When did you lay it down and say fuck this? I mean, did you go to college and then bail or what? Yeah, I went to I went to Cornell for uh, five minutes over a two year. That's some period. that's some high. Uh, that's a, you. You must have been a smart motherfucker, man. No, well, we, well, Cornell's a big deal. Yeah, I, I suppose it is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it is. It's a great school, actually, as it happens. What'd you go but, to study? Uh, but but not for harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to study harmonica, you don't need to go to Cornell. What'd you go for? Do you remember? Or we just yeah, I was a, I was an electrical engineer. Electrical engineering. I had a kind of a math aptitude as a kid, and you know, I I had good grades and always had good grades in math. And I was a year young when I went to. I skipped second grade, so I went to Lawrenceville, a prep school. My father suggested, and after four years of prep school, um, you know, uh, I uh, my dad said, "Okay, well, you've you, you, my, as far as I can figure out, you can do whatever you want to do, but I got only one more decision, one more thing I'm going to make you do. What's that? Well, you're only sixteen. You're a year young." Take a year off and bum around Europe. I said, but Dad, I'm going to play ball and I'm going to do this. He said, no, no, it's the last thing I'm going to make you do. I think it's, you know, most people don't know what they want to do in life. And if you take a year off in between before college, it might help you crystallize some stuff. My mom said, hey, that's the first good idea your dad ever had. (laughs) Gave me a Bob Dylan record, said the poets love this guy. And and her boarder at the time was a guy called Billy Roberts who wrote Hey Joe and had all the, played harmonica with the harmonica. He was a folk singer with had the harmonica stuff your mom and he rented to the guy who wrote hey joe that's right god damn you're like some sort of like musical zealot you're just at the core of a lot of shit that's old man you've been around and been in the business for a while this stuff happens but damn that that's one of the best songs ever yeah it is a good song (laughs) it is a good song i mean like but it's very folky you know when you think about it and hendrix just ripped it open yeah, just yeah. took it to another place. Yeah, because so. uh, that uh, Hendrix's version of that song is one of my favorite songs. Fantastic, it's crazy. Yeah. What was that dude like? Not Hendrix, I, the dude I, who wrote the Hey Joe. Oh, he was a folk singer, very interesting guy, kind of very smart, but a little uh, eccentric. Uh huh. And uh, but he had all these harmonicas because he played them, and he gave me a bunch of harmonicas. So I started hitch. I hitchhiked across the country for my year off from from Marin to Marin to. To Boston, yeah, and I went to visit my prep school guys who were at Harvard, yeah, and slept on their floor in Cambridge for about three weeks till I figured out how to get over to Europe without having to pay. How'd you do that? I, I well, I hung out at, at what was then Idlewild Airport, yeah, because on my hitchhike across the country, a guy, a guy had explained to me that there was a way to do it. 
and he explained me how to do it. You get the folder, you go in early. In those days, there were no computers. You know, they weren't they weren't scanning anything. Right. They just write on it with a special pen. Yeah. And if you could dodge the thing, then you take a seat that isn't yours. You know, you write a certain seat number, a bad seat over the envelope on a, on a boat. Or a plane, plane, airplane. Okay, TWA. All right, and and you write you write a middle seat right over the wing. That's yeah. the number you put, and then you sit in a different bad seat, right? Just in case she says somebody else is in your seat, you go, oh, I'm actually over there, right? But I thought, but I got sorry. So you guys, that's your double check then. Yes, yeah. and they weren't sold out. These flights were not sold out in those days, and and he told me he says they're gonna they're you know if you can get into the little. Uh, waiting area, which you do, you go very early and make yourself inconspicuous. Yeah. And then uh, eventually uh, they're going to count and the count's going to be off by one, but they're not going to stop anything. They're going to think they messed up and they're just going to fly. And that was it. That was it. Now, when you when you went across country, <laughs> that's, it's, uh, you certainly can't pull that shit off anymore, huh? No, no, can't do any of that stuff. It's Nor would you want to, right? Would you want to hitchhike across the country? Well, I, but I, that's a sad thing, isn't it? I suppose, yeah. I mean, it's different. I mean, it's a different, but like, I, I wonder. You it know, is sad. It's sad in the way our parents look at our lives that are so complicated and say, you guys, too bad, you know. Well, it's just like there was a time, like, I don't, I think I was always told not to hitchhike, but there was a time, I think, there, that window in the 60s right. where the ch- the country was changing and there was something new happening and there was a, it, it, it felt, you know, uh, scary, but somehow safe to do that. I mean, yeah. you trusted people. No, I agree. I agree. What What, what was that? What, did you have any sort of uh, you know pivotal experiences? Because I mean, America was still sort of a you know from place to place a unique experience. I had, I had tons of them, tons of them. Every ride, I could. I mean, what, I got picked up. One guy had stolen a car. He was obviously a a felon of some sort. <laughs> yeah. He had two other guys hitchhiking, and he hitchhiked. He says, "Right, you got any money?" Yeah. Well, I said, "No, I don't have any money," and I yeah. had. I think I had four hundred dollars, yeah. which is a lot of money. Yeah, my, sure. Uh, on my pocket, that I that initial journey from Bakersfield. Yeah, I first went south to Southern California and stayed with a gal in La Jolla, a girlfriend of mine. Sure. And then I took off across yeah, the country, yeah, yeah. and at Bakersfield, I found this guy. Yeah. And we went all the way to Denver, yeah. and we siphoned gas at night because <laughs> nobody had any money, and I wasn't about to say, "Hey, wait, I'll pay." Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah hold so on we would money. go out into the country, and you'd find these farm houses and we at night in the middle of the night and he'd wind down the road open the guy's gas pump fill the car and take off man while they're running out the back door with a shotgun and stuff good Set, oh, it was unbelievable good first ride it was horrible all the way to denver <laughs> yeah. yeah and then what happened in denver uh, i don't remember that i remember hitchhiking on north i went north it was so cold in ohio i mean we're talking freezing cold in September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, freezing, yeah. freezing cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. out there. So you get there, you get to Boston, you do the number, you get overseas, and then then what happens? Then I hitch. I met another guy called Michael Jeffries, who's a uh, crazy. He he'd hitchhiked and traveled all the way from South Africa, and he's. I said, well, I'm here to. My dad's making me go. I'm going to Europe. He said, yeah. we'll go together. I said, fine. So together we hitchhiked all the way through France down to North Africa. All the way to Marrakesh, where we went for, you know, for three days and stayed for two months. Yeah, in Marrakesh. <laughs> yeah, did the hash thing. Did the hash thing. Played harmonica till my lips bled on the square. Wow. Yeah. And did people dig it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got, uh, you know, the the we stayed at uh, a little youth joint, Mukta's home for wayward boys and girls. He yeah. called it, and it, it was like a dirham, and all you could eat was like. 
a dirham, you know? And then when I'd play on the square, we, I'd get three or four dirhams. I'd be two dirhams to the to the to the upside. So you just hung out. I just hung out. That's fucking beautiful, man. Did you have the long hair? Were you doing? I the, had a long hair. Everything. The yeah. Yep. Everything. <laughs> whole, you, did you meet the any, whole package? Did you meet anybody in Marrakesh? Where was there any of the old beats hanging around, or did you, did you, did you tap into any? Yeah, of I, you know, I didn't. Every once in a while, I'd see somebody who was clearly British, yeah. or, or but I didn't know enough to know who they were. Right, right, right. And, and I think I, I've read books. I read the Clapton book, and yeah. and, uh, and and I know Keith Richards and those guys. But I think in Marrakesh. But I think that was that pre predates me. Yeah. I was there in sixty seven. Right. And they were there, I think, 62. So you're getting your chops together. You are pretty. You must be pretty much a wizard player by the time you get done with the tour, or with the hitchhiking thing. Yeah, I mean, I, there was another uh, crystallizing, uh, you know, coming out of Morocco. Yeah. And uh, now I'm hitchhiking out yeah. of Morocco. Yeah. And there's me and my pal, Michael Jeffries, and we're hitchhiking out of Morocco, and we can't get a ride, because yeah. now we're in Spain. Right. And Spain was Franco's Spain in those days. And right. so it was very paranoid kind of a deal. And yeah, yeah. They wouldn't pick you up. We have long hair and everything. And now on the on the horizon, I see a 19... I'll make it up, but it's close. 1930 Chevrolet, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and and pulling an Airstream trailer. Stops for us. Dutchman called Jimmy Vanderaw. The car had been used in Casablanca, the film. And it was his, and he was driving all the way back to Holland. Come on. And he says, go ahead, boys. You know, So we get in with him. He liked to stop at every bar on the way yeah. and have one shot of that mentholated spirits, whatever they call Absinthe. it. Schli- Schlivovitza or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, Or no, Absinthe, whatever they're... Their gas oh, oh, was, you oh, know that, that right? It's yeah, not, it wasn't absinthe. You're talking about schnapps or something, or I can't remember what, yeah, yeah, which yeah, one yeah. they do in Spain. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They have one in every country. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, wham, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then he, he he'd be hammered. So at some point, he drove off the road into a a flooded field, and the water came up above the floorboards. <laughs> we thought, oh, we're, we're we're screwed here. But no, he says no problem. And it's very hazy because we were hammered. Yeah, and it's the middle of the night kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. Yeah. He has a fire extinguisher. Sprays the motor with a fire extinguisher. Suddenly gets back in, starts it up, and drives out of the pond onto the dike. <laughs> the car works. He said, no, because it dries it out or something? Yeah. Dries out a distributor? I don't know if he opened it. I don't know what he did. I can't barely remember. But we now we drive out. But when we get to the border of Portugal, my passport is missing. And it turns out that we know later that it got floated somehow out of my knapsacks on the ground in the back in the airstream. Right. And it got out of the, out of the, it fell out of there somehow with a flood thing. And the, and, um, so I had to go back to, to Seville and get a new passport. And it's middle of the night. I got $20 to my name. Yeah. Maybe about yeah, this yeah. Point. So I knock on the embassy. I get there just before closing at yeah. four the next night. They shut the door in my face. Uh, I had to spend the weekend there, and I met these students, and they said they heard me play harmonica, and they said, "I tell you what, we'll do. We'll make a concert for you, and we'll make the money." So they threw a concert in five days at in Seville that was like a smash hit. There was, you know, at their <laughs> university, there were three thousand people. I played harp with this guy. It's a, kind of a long story, but who is the guy? The guy, uh, his name was Michael, and I can't remember his last name. He was an Australian guy who they auditioned for. You know, they auditioned. Uh, guys, they said, we'll, we'll do it, you know, because I knew all about San Francisco. And that, that just captivated them, these students. They couldn't believe that. Yeah. And I was really from San Francisco. Right. And I knew all these things. All, everything was, uh, it was, and so once I'd done that concert, needless to say, the bug had bit. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just the two of you? 
Or yeah, two of us, and 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 I think it was uh, Los Nuevos Tiempos was the opening act. Uh-huh. They were kind of a big band, and they were a professional outfit, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we were doing like Sonny Terry, Brown and Sure, stuff, sure, right, right. Know? Key to the Highway. Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, a spoonful. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And uh, 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 but and it worked like a champ in this concert atmosphere. And after the show, I had cards from every from these clubs and these little cafes and stuff and this one disco tech guy who was the big guy in town he said hey come see me play friday night we said great sure we'll do it yeah so we go there friday night to the club and we were horrible it was like a and the other band was great and yeah, the yeah. string broke and oh, it was yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of our that start. was it <laughs> It lasted one big night, but that was—that's when you got bit, though. That was when you're like, "This is exactly it. this is exactly. the fuck. This is my future." I'd had a fabulous gig and then a terrible gig, right? Three nights later. So where do you go after that to get started? Well, I went back to Cornell, yeah, for five minutes over a two-year period, yeah, and and played in bands for the most part, yeah. And you dropped out. Then I then I dropped out mm-hmm. to go back to San Francisco. Where it was all happening, it was sixty nine now. So that's so that's it. It's blowing up, okay. and that's where you put the first band together. No, then I went back and joined a little bluegrass outfit called the Hereford Heartstringers, uh, that, that expanded into this big bluegrass band with three of the members of Clover. And Clover was a was a, a, a country rock band that had been uh, they'd made a little noise in the late sixties. They were great. And you were just playing harp, or you were singing. I was just playing harp for the most part. Uh huh. Just playing harp. Yeah. Although and, I was singing in my my solo act. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But no, with Clover, I was just playing harp. And that yeah. was that was your first that was your first real band. Yeah. Oh no, no, I had bands. I was played in bands in Cornell, but, Cornell. but they weren't recording. And I actually anything. sang, but with no recording. Right. Right. So with Clover, they had made records already. They'd lost their deal, but I joined and Sean Hopper joined, and then we. We, uh, you know, we, we, we got it together. We got signed by Phonogram and managed by Jake Rivera and Dave Robinson from uh, Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe fame. And, uh, Nick was in here. Yeah. Yeah. He's the greatest. Great guy. He's the greatest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. So, I think Nick Lowe, and he's the greatest storyteller of all time. By the way. Yeah. No, we had a good time. You know, he's he's kind of funny because he's got an edge to him. You know what I mean? He's seen a lot of shit, and he's you know, <laughs> but he's he's his new record's real sweet. Oh, he's he's reinvented himself about ten years ago, and it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like just a guy with a guitar now. You know, Huey says, "I don't rock anymore," (laughs) (laughs) and that's the guy that did you? You had something to do. I love him. I knew the the bride when she used to rock and roll. Yeah, I I I produced that for him. That's a big song, man. We had a ball. Well, we had a ball doing it. I mean, I used to rock pile. I thought was a great fucking. Oh, they were great. There's nothing like them. Nothing like them. So, all right, so you get signed, and you're not singing yet, or you are? Yeah, I, I sang at Cornell. Right. When I joined Clover, Alex Call was the singer, so yeah. I didn't sing. I played harmonica, and I'm just happy to join her, because they were a pro- much more professional outfit. But these guys that signed you were British? Yeah. And so how did that work? Oh, they, we, we flew to Britain and lived in, in Headley Grange in the south of London, uh, south of England. For how in long? In Surrey, for two years, basically. We were based in London for two years. And you were trying to just knock we it out there? With, toured with Thin Lizzy, toured with um, Leonard Skinner, toured with Graham Parker and the Rumor, toured with- uh, Skinnerd. Yeah, we did We had, We had. did 29 dates. How's Ronnie? With Skinner, with all those, well, before, uh, with, with the original Skinner, right, man. Right, it was Ronnie and Alan Ronnie. and Gary Lee and Roy. Artemis. Yep, yep. And uh, yep. Billy- 
Billy Powell Billy on Powell. piano. And Artemis was the sweetest man. He would, he would just, you know, he'd come out in the middle of our show because normally we'd be billed as support. Right. You know. Yeah. They wouldn't even have our name. Right. So the and, and in Britain there's a tradition of being tough on the opening act anyway. Right. So they were they were ready to boo us off stage. Right. And Artemis would come on sometimes and go, "Hey, these guys are good." Yeah. They were. I thought they were a good band, man. Oh, they were great. And like, uh, so, so did you guys take off in London or no? Did it, what happened? No, no. We had a, we had a, we made two records. Literally the, the Clover all, records. All, Clover. Literally, uh, Dave and Jake signed us and almost the day we landed, punk hit. You know, Johnny Rotten spit in the face of the enemy reporter and the game was on. I remember going to the, the to the um, uh, roundhouse for the clashes. If it wasn't their first gig, it was really close. Yeah, to their and and the place is packed, and we're on the side of the stage, and Strummer is leaning out over the audience, and he is covered in saliva. It's dripping off him in the light, in the spotlight from the side. You can see he's he's head to toe, and he's spitting at the audience, and they're spitting back at him, and he's leaning into him. And you know, imagine us from Rink. We were going like, "What is happening? You know, <laughs> yeah, how was, is this good? <laughs> it was out. It was way out. But was the music good? Well, well, you couldn't really hear it at that oh, point. Right, right. But we got it. It wasn't about the music. Yeah. It wasn't about... And I, that's where, I, frankly, that's kind of where I took my cue a little bit because I thought, hey, you know, I don't know about the... I don't dig the music necessarily. I still like the same music I've always liked. You right. Know? I like rhythm and blues music. Right, right. But, 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 uh, but I love their stance. Yeah. I love the fact that they were thumbing their nose at, at what was the industry, as right, it were. Right, right. And, and, and all those stereotypes about what kind of voice you had to have. Right. And what, whether you needed, you know, a th- hit the chorus in 30 seconds or not. Or right, whatever. right. So and, I, but was there that moment, though, where you're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? I mean, like, if this yeah. is where it's going. I suppose uh, I, what they did is they, they uh, the late, Jake and Dave realized that. They went, oh, my gosh. Our timing was a little tough. The management. Yeah. So, yeah. What they, so they got Mutt Langer to work with us. So we made two that records. Must, wow, that must have been early. That must have been, like, right at the beginning of him. Mutt, he was a staff phonogram producer. He was doing, like, 10 acts a year. In England. Doing the Boomtown Rats, the City Boy, and in and, 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 and some of these cases, writing all the music, singing all the background parts. I mean, he was doing them just one right after another, Mutt was. And he did us. We had two weeks. And, you know, and, uh, and we made a couple records with him. Uh, ostensibly for the American market, right, and so on. Uh, but I, you know, which means I didn't sing. Although I was starting to sing a little bit with Clover, you know, it was uh, it was ostensibly we were going to make a big kind of a rock record, for, right. for America. And but what it, was the music like? I mean, I haven't well, listened to it. Yeah, yeah, well, you kind of got to listen to it. It's tough to describe. Yeah, tough to describe. I don't know. I I think I don't know. I don't know. Was it countryish or folkish? It was kind or? of it was kind of a melange, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. But uh, uh, but Clover was an interesting band. I mean, we were a little bit like the Zach Brown band, if you will, in a way. Well, yeah. you know, and they're kind of interesting because they're they 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 go across genres, which I dig. You know, they got kind of hip hop rhythms, but they got fiddles on it, or right, right, sure, that sure, kind sure. of stuff. Oh, so so when that's sense. what right. that was Clover's thing. Uh, well, but was, it was it wasn't as defined as it should be necessarily. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, uh, hey, who knows? Who knows? Didn't have no edge to it. They have an edge. To I it? don't know. I yeah, have enough edge. Yeah. I don't know. But What's, they did they end what up? What is uh, edge anyway? Edge is uh, that's a good point. Seriously, uh, what does it mean? After well, I hear point? some of that Bruce Hornsby stuff, that's yeah. edgy to me. Sure. When I hear big, you know. You cool worked with chords. him, right? You worked yeah. with him a lot. 
He's but, great. Uh, but those guys ended up hanging out, and you took off in London? Uh, Clover? We broke up when John McPhee, our guitar player, and and uh, joined the Doobie Brothers, basically. And did they um, were they the guys who? Because I remember- although that that's not fair to John because we we kind of dissolved. We lost our record deal. Management right. said it's over, and Bo and we all went back to California with our tails between our legs. But I, I, someone once told me that you that the news, which is wrong recorded uh, Elvis Costello's first record. It was the guy no, no, Clover. No, no, it was Clover. They include Sean Hopper, who's the keyboard player for the news. Right. Our, our keyboard player. Right. And, and, and John Chambody, who's no longer with us, our Clover's bass player. Mickey Shine, Clover's at the time drummer, right. who's no longer with us. Right. And John McPhee, right. who plays with the Doobie Brothers right, right now. That's that, the band. That's the one that backed that, that, Elvis. Those are the four people that backed Elvis. And Nick Lowe brought my, those guys together? My, put them all together at, at, at a studio about this, about this size. Uh-huh. Seriously. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, Nick talks about that, about that. Like, oh, it was magic, man. <laughs> this guy was, I'll tell you, Sean Hopper yeah. our, our, might be our keyboard our keyboard player. Yeah. Might be the first guy to realize how great Elvis Costello was. Oh, yeah? I mean, I, I, may, I make this point. I don't know the, because... He Elvis walked in off the street and got signed by the Stiff Records. See, Jake and Dave started Stiff Records, right? And Elvis was their first find, I guess. He came in, so they put him with with the Clover guys, yeah. to rehearse, right? And after the first rehearsal, you know, and Clover was very nonchalant about everything, and, right? Uh, and we were, you know, was, we we had our we we all had chips on our shoulders, you right? Know? Or, or I didn't probably, yeah, but yeah, they yeah. did. So yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'd say. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They'd worked with a lot more people than I had, but um, but and we all were kind of crusty, you know. Yeah, yeah. But but the they rehearsed in our at, at our house, and uh, and I I I went to London because I was a harmonica player. I didn't need to rehearse, and and there were, I wasn't going to play on the record anyway. Yeah, actually, Elvis asked me to play on a tune or two, but. I, I took the two weeks and went to Amsterdam, but but I'm in. Yeah, he had your priorities. But the first night we came back, and and uh, we're having dinner like we always used to do at the house. And Sean Hopper, I said, "So how'd it go today, guys?" And Sean goes, "Man, I tell you, this guy is amazing, man. The lyrics are amazing." He said, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's it's really something." Yeah, and, and and you know, Sean might have been the first guy to know. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, he certainly became a a, a monster of modern music. That oh guy. yeah, he's a, he's and he's been so he wears it so well. Yeah, you know, isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah, isn't that sweet when he that happens? Yeah, I he love becomes that. respectable. He ages appropriately. I love with that. his music. Yeah, yeah I do. I think do you know him? He's a treasure. Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, but who are your buddies in the business? That you you know from the back in the day that you still hang out with or talk to. Well, I talked to Ray Benson a lot. He's from Sleep the Wheel. We we went to rival prep schools together forty years ago. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. What uh, about Boz Skaggs? Do you know that guy? I do know Boz a little bit because yeah. he's from Bay Area. He's and Bay Steve Area. Miller too, yeah. but they're a little Steve older than just you. Just a little bit. Yeah. Miller's mostly up in Oregon and and Idaho now. Yeah, yeah he, they were older, a little older than you, right? Yeah. Yeah. God, Miller was a monster. You guys, Fantastic. You know, yeah. So, all right. So then when does the news come into play? Well, right there. We started uh, when, when Clover broke up. Yeah. Uh, we went all went back to Marin County, and our local club asked me, did I, uh, you know, we used to have a thing called Monday Night Live. Our Monday nights were always a good night for some reason. So I said to them, look, give me, uh, give me your Monday night. And I'll try and make something happen. So we started this idea with a bunch of our pals, and uh, a, a place called uh, a bunch of 
a bunch of, of you know crazy guys. Yeah, and we started this whole thing um, uh, called Monday Night Live. Like it was a jam. Yeah, and 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 comics and anything, just kind of an open mic thing. And I kind of emceed it. We had a we had a house band. And uh, where we, was it? It was first one was at uh, a place called Knightsbridge, a club, and then we packed it out in SF. No, in Marin County. Oh, yeah. This is in San Anselmo. And then we went to a place called Uncle Charlie's in Corte Madera. And then... Uh, who were the comics? Uh, a guy called uh, uh, Don Nagel, uh-huh. who's, who was... You know, I look back, the stuff was so politically incorrect, man. Yeah. So the stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just couldn't even get next to I don't know that guy. Today. You couldn't even get next to Yeah. But we had Ricky D. Jones did one for it. It a couple songs. Anybody who was in town would fall by. Van Morrison came by a couple really? times. Really? Yeah. And then and then we had the house band. We called it the Monday Night Live band. And we had a Monday Night Live theme. And then we then we did a bunch of songs on the QT that I sang. Right. And so um, then I got I got to thinking, this is cool. You know, maybe I should do this, blah, blah, blah. And so what happened is we got offered some free studio time because one of the studio owners came to the show yeah. and couldn't get in. And so she, then she came back, her name Patty Gleason, Pat and Patty Gleason, yeah. from Different Fur in San Francisco. And they said, hey, do you want some free studio time? I said, sure. Well, of course. Yeah. She, Does Clover want free time? She said. I said, we don't, Clover doesn't exist, but I'll take it. Yeah. She said, what do you do? So we cut for a joke. A di- we didn't have anything to cut. We didn't have any material. A disco version of Exodus called Exodisco. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny, man. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and I had it. In my pocket, we did. We spent two days doing it. We had Pee Wee Ellis on it, played horn on it. Yeah, you know, from James Brown, man. Yeah, yeah, one of the great guys of all time. Yeah, yeah. So it was really a fun project, and everybody it was liberating because we were in a recording studio and we were doing something for the hell of it. We, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, you know, no so pressure. We, so I get this recording of Exodisco. About two weeks later, I get a call from Nick Lowe, who's written a song that from one a title I had or whatever, and he says, "Look, I really want to pay you back for the song. Uh, how about you f- uh, fly over here and play harp on my record?" And by the way, Edmonds wants to cut "Bad Is Bad." I said, "Fine." So I do it. So we fly over there. I arrive at, 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 in London. I go straight to the studio. Yeah. We cut Nick's tune. We cut "Bad Is Bad," and the session's over about one o'clock, one or two. Three o'clock in the afternoon, we're done. Yeah. Well, the record company comes by. They listen to the two songs and they like it, and they say, um, uh, "And and now there's a kind of an awkward silence with nothing going on." I said, hey, "You guys want to hear something funny?" And they said, "Sure." And I put on Exodisco. Well, the record company loved it, and so the re- uh, they said, "Hey, let's make let's do it as a single." I said, "Great." They leave. Jake, as Jake, I said, what do I do? He says, go in there tomorrow, tell him you want 13 points, 3,000 pounds, don't leave without the check, you know? Yeah. I go in there, I come, I come out of there with a 3,000 pound check. <laughs> I come back to the boys, I say, guys, I think we got it going here. <laughs> yeah. So with that, meanwhile, when I get back, but they wanted more vocal on it. Yeah. They wanted a little more, don't they always? Yeah. And so I was going to give them a little more vocal, but when I go back to the studio, they've erased the master. Because the tones were on it, long story complex. So I scream up and down. We're going to need five days. We made a record deal with this. We got to replicate it. She says, "No problem. You can have the whole week." So we cut three or four other tunes that we were working on, and that demo is the demo that got assigned to Chrysalis. So. Wow. So and so thanks to Nick Lowe and Exodisco for our. That's hilarious. Yeah. And bad as bad as your tune. Bad as bad, yeah. And 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 that's and how did and how Edmonds did, cut it. Well, how did Nick get that? He just you. He'd he, heard that Clover used to do it, play it. Oh, okay. Clover used to play. It. We never recorded it, right? Because, but Clover used to play it, and, and did, I used to sing it actually. And did uh, Edmonds get a hit with it? 
I don't, I don't know. No. no. I mean, I, I don't know. What's a hit? Well, I don't know. England's different. I don't yeah. know how it works over yeah. there. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, it got play, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was a single or if it was just on his album. You maybe. still in touch with that guy? He's got no. No, I don't, I, I don't know. I think he's, he's out here somewhere, isn't he? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I, I, I lost touch with Dave. I, you know, we, I never had, saw yeah. him all that much. But Van, I, I talked to Nick occasionally. Yeah, and Van Morrison, like when he came up to play with you guys, that must have been mind-blowing. Yeah. he's sort of thematically uh, uh, R&B guy in a way he's fantastic unbelievable he's, he's an original he's fantastic i came to him late in the game and it's just like you know oh, like yeah. i i just got into astral weeks within the last year or two, yeah yeah and yeah. it's sort of like where the fuck does that come yeah. from well really good it comes from it's very interesting you know because it's cross-cultural yeah i mean he's irish yeah and so he gets that r&b thing yeah from a whole different right. standpoint it's right. fantastic yeah fantastic so you sign with chrysalis and it's like uh how many of the guys that you sign with are with you still uh, four of us are founding members. Wow. And how many dudes do you tour with on stage when you go out? Do you have Well, like a... for, we have girls uh, periodically, so we can, we can be 11, yeah. or we can be 9, yeah. or we can be 6. Yeah, and you, you, you're doing all the... Everything's live in the moment. Well, that's why I like 11 or 9, because... Yeah. You know, we're still paying people to play one note at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, a trumpet player. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. A, uh, he needs a hotel room. He's <laughs> yeah, got to have yeah, yeah. per diems. You got to pay him something. Right. Feed him. You right. know what I mean? Right. So, so when you signed to Chrysalis, and now because this the the first album was a big fucking record. I mean, it was huge. Yeah, for, no, first album was uh, the Huey Lewis in the news. Huey Lewis just sold twenty five thousand. Died of death. Sold twenty five thousand. So it wasn't until it wasn't until sports. So, no, second record was Picture This. Sold about two hundred fifty thousand copies. That's had pretty you, good. It was okay. Had Do You Believe in Love? Right. And was going to send us back for another. So they picked up our option for the third album because but they the, saw you growing. Yeah, but the third album, which never would happen today, by the way. Right. If the first album didn't hit, forget Fuck it. it. Yeah, but. On our third album, that's the one we produced ourselves. We'd taken over the production. We, yeah. we actually did it on the second album, too, but we we learned our craft a little better, yeah. and we aimed every song for radio. And that was, that, and that <laughs> yeah. was sports. And Boy Howdy, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And now in terms of like, so like, like what that year, okay, that's 84 already, right? Yeah. So that's- uh, Record came out in 83, actually, yeah. September of 83. So, like, what was who else? Who were you competing with? I'm trying to picture the musical. Bruce landscape. Springsteen, Lionel Richie, Madonna, Whitney Houston. Oh, like Springsteen? What is that like around? What record? Uh, the River or something? I right, 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 right. And Madonna was just starting out. Basically. Just starting out. We did the MTV Awards together. Right. I famously stood up for her in a, at a little press thing. Famously, not famous at yeah. all. But, but I remember because they were she was, they were giving her because she had such an act. Yeah. You know, and so, but. I had, yeah, we, we got, we bumped into each other a lot. Prince, too. <laughs> yeah. Prince, too. He was just hitting, too? Yeah. So that was a pretty interesting time, because it was a, a wide open playing field. In fact, may, maybe maybe the greatest thing, uh, you know, the most, the best cheese we ever got of anything. It was about, you know, we were, we won a Grammy, but we were nominated for an Oscar. Also. But maybe the best cheese we ever got was on The Tonight Show once when Sammy Davis Jr. said, and, and and Johnny Carson says, who are you listening to right now, yeah, Sammy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, uh, well, Prince and Huey Lewis in the news, man. Those cats knocked me out. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it was wonderful. Un completely unsolicited, just like right exactly. there. Oh, that's fucking sweet. Yeah, it was really sweet. And then, like, so how did it happen that uh, you got the gig to do some of the soundtrack on Back to the Future? Uh, well... 
let's see, uh, Zemeckis, who, you know, right. directed it, Bob Gale and Steven Spielberg, we had a meeting, and they said, they put it to me, they said, look, we wrote this film, and our lead character, Marty McFly's favorite band, would be Huey Lewis in the News. So, Great. you w- want to write a song <laughs> I, for, for the film? I said, well, I'm not sure, we know how to write a song for a, a film, you know, yeah. but we'll write, how about we send you the next one we write? And he says, Sure. And, and the next one we wrote was Power Love for the most part. That's the way I remember it. He remembers it differently. You know, we just reconnected. He yeah. remembers that I sent him a different song. Right. And he said, nah, and then I sent him Power Love. But I, I, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but either it's way. All, either way, whatever. So that, like, 84. We didn't write it for the film. That's right, the, right. That's, that's point. So 84, 85, that, 83, 84, 85, that was like, you were huge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we did three forums. Yeah. We did uh, four Oakland Coliseums in 86. You know, we did uh, three uh, in New York. Uh, Madison Square Madison Garden. Square Gardens. You know. It must have been great. It was great. It was great. It was nervous. You know, I was always nervous. Now I'm not nervous. And I'm so much better creatively now. The challenges are so creative. You know, I, I mean, the one thing I've tried to do as I've gone on this thing is look at every choice based on is it creative or not mm-hmm. you know what i mean well, when and, you're younger and, and, you're, you're just holding on you know huh? when you're younger you're just that's holding it on. that's it you're I mean, treading water you keep trying to keep your head above yeah that. yeah I, that's exactly right uh, that's and it was coming at you pretty hard i mean and and, and i was ready for it as well i mean there's yeah. no spring chicken yeah and i knew i'd seen it seen it happen to other people you sure, know sure in the meantime so i, I was ready for well, it. you've seen the as rise m- and fall yeah as much as a guy can be ready for it i was ready for it you know yeah but it's still when it's going on it's still tough i always say you know the thing about anybody who 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 does what i do or we do has got to like the attention a little bit or they wouldn't have done it to begin with well, you you're know? a showman man I yeah, mean, yeah yeah you know so so but by the same token it happens sometimes a hundred percent of the time so most of the time you're fine like enjoy it right so part of the time you grin and bear it right and hopefully there's a very small time when it drives you crazy in what way well, you know, some guy comes up and goes, you're in an airport, a guy walks up and puts his face four inches away and goes, what's your name? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You go, Huey Lewis. I told you! <laughs> I told you it's him! <laughs> right? That's the price of fame, man. Yeah. I mean, it's okay, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, well, now you're lucky back. Now people just grab you and they hold their iPhone up and take your picture. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, I'm taking. I'm, I've Isn't held, that unbelievable? I have held. I've held more strangers in Isn't the last it? two years. Man, I tell you, that is hugely different. Because yeah. in our day, it was autographs, autographs, sure. but no, very few people had cameras. Yeah, and now everybody, they still do it to you, right? They got to get, get, come oh. over. It, boom, take a picture. Unbelievable, right? You know what I did it to? You know who I did it to? You'll appreciate this. Like I. Uh, I was flying from uh, where the hell was I flying? I think I was flying to New York, and I'm at the airport, and I got I got upgraded to first class. I'm, yeah, I'm not a rich guy, and uh, I see a dude standing there waiting by the ticket counter. I'm like, holy fuck, is that Buddy Guy? That's got to be Buddy Guy. And uh, I kind of go over and I look over his shoulder at his ticket, you know, to see the name on it. It's Buddy Guy. And I'm like, damn, that's Buddy Guy. And I'm boarding before Buddy Guy, and it made me feel bad, you know. And uh, I didn't know what the hell he was wasn't fine first class, right? No, no, no. He was with a you know ragtag band of some kind. I said, I'm a huge fan. He said, thanks, whatever. So I sit down, and the guy I'm sitting next to is his road manager. And I said, I was just listening to Hoodoo Man Blues. I mean, how many people doing that today? I was just listening to it. Had a babe. Yeah. And uh, he gave me his pick. He gave me a buddy guy pick. 
the, the road manager did. Excellent. But then his, this is what I'm getting at is that, you know, I get off the plane and I go to, and I see buddy guys waiting at the baggage claim. I got my bag. I walk right by him and I go out to get a bus to my car and I'm like, mm. fuck this. I got to get a shot. I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> and I walk up to buddy well, guy and I go, dude, can I take a picture with you? He's like, go ahead. Yeah, right. And literally, I just right. I, I lean in and I and take he's it. going, eh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. I mean, who the hell yeah, are you? Yeah, but you know what? You know what the thing is with that, I find, seriously? It's it's all about how they ask. If yeah. somebody says, look, I know this is uncool, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I know it's uncool, but um, uh, I, I literally have your record or whatever, you know, in my right. in my thing right now or, or whatever it is. If, if you do it that way, it's it's okay yeah. in a way. It's all about how it's done. Yeah. You know? Do you ever play with him? Yeah. He's great. Fantastic. Huh? I, that must have been a rush. Man. Yeah, we did. We played a show just in Florida. We're now with with uh, Taj Mahal, Buddy Guy, and us. It was slamming. Yeah, yeah. Was that a blues festival or something? Yeah. Kind? So all right. So now, okay. So you're at the top of the world, and now you've done like how many fucking records have you done? Like eight or nine, nine records. Us? Yeah, I think ten. Ten, ten records. Now, now, just so which isn't very many, man. When you think about Merle Haggard. Who's done probably thirty eight? But dude, to to keep going and to keep surviving in the musical landscape, I mean, country's a different thing. I mean, you're you're you know you're a pop guy and you're a rock guy. I mean, those country guys they can record in their sleep, and there's going to be a hundred, two hundred thousand people going to want to buy it. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, that you just that's a very good point right there, and that is that as a pop writer, right? Yeah. I mean, it all matters. It's all about the writing, obviously. Yeah. Every, everything's always about the writing. Yeah. Shows, as yeah. you know. It's always about the writing. Sure. If the writing is good enough, anybody can do it. Yeah. And and so, you know, so you really want to write great material. And as a pop writer, you're informed by your audience. And when there is no audience, when the audience is fragmented to, to a zillion places, eh, you know, where, where's the motivation? How do, yeah, how do you hold it together? And also, audiences get older. They get different priorities. You know, yeah. you, you become a, a part of their history. Yeah. And I guess the struggle is, and I don't know what your point of view on it is, that you know, you must have felt the arc of of when you were starting. To, sure. Yeah. But you know, the, I guess the real choice becomes is like, do you become a nostalgia act, or do you continue to grow? Right. And where do you fall on that? Well, you continue to grow. Right. You, ha- you have to. Right. You know, because otherwise it's just not interesting enough. But but what's what's nice about being our age is that we have a, so much stuff that you can kind of. Re- rearrange in. it and revisit it yeah kind of keeps it a little fresh and the other thing is that when you have when you're at this age you know a couple new things go a long long way because <laughs> it's so refreshing <laughs> right right saying? right sure so uh i mean we love we love playing live we we have we we love doing it i mean it's just it's really what we do you know we're a real yeah. band in that sense yeah and i i love that i mean yeah. I, I today you know in most of these big mega acts uh, yeah. there's a lot of naughty bits going on what does that know? mean well there's samples and there's other people dude on. there's like it's yeah. partial karaoke and lots of cases. i just saw the beach boys and it was tragic in a way i mean you know they were all there but you know nobody could hit those high notes so they got a guy tucked away in the back on a guitar who's singing the mike love notes you know well the fact is if they do if if they have a guy on guitar singing the notes that's better than just having them on tape yeah which else which people do also yeah, I just I can't get on board with that. It drives me nuts, and well, I, it seems like they're it seems like they're sold it though by promoters. Yeah, well, the, there, there's a look if you're playing at the Oakland Coliseum, yeah, 
it's not very good sound surprise yeah. not made for music yeah isn't going to sound good yeah so so if if you put a live to track so that the track is right on the lips of the speakers yeah see when you have to mic something up it the mic hears even though no matter how close it is to an amp or anything it hears the whole room as right. well right so it, it the sound gets wetter and worse yeah so there's a technical reason arguably right that you sample drums right you know right and oh. i mean they've been doing it since the early 80s right know, so so it's nothing new no i mean i remember when i saw i saw springsteen born in the usa bah, he came out went that first snare drum was just a lindrum at the lips of the speakers at the oakland stadium right i went wow they're triggering the drums and the trick the drum trigger was so bad that when he did single stroke rolls you'd hear because it was cutting out sometimes. right 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 you know what I mean? oh that's fucking hard. but that was that, that's how long they've been doing it though that, right that, and, and that's and max is a fucking machine you think that if you just told him what to do he would be able to well, do Mac, it. in that case max was playing yeah he just had pads they're not playing to click tracks right springsteen doesn't play to click i mean right. i don't know if they play to click or not right but they don't have anything on samples i guarantee you. right right that's a real band really yeah. playing right which is great right and i'm all for that yeah that's wonderful. I yeah, think. and you but, get, but when you look at the mega acts around, I mean, we're not going. Uh, there's a lot of naughty bits. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, and I guess they can sort of rationalize that it's show business, and you know. And, yeah. Hey, here's another one. I, you know, why have pre-recorded music at these sporting events? The sound of a f- crowd, fifty thousand people murmuring. With a crack of a bat or a loud voice here, a vendor there yeah. is an unbelievable sound yeah. that we never get to hear. Yeah, because we have that that disco stuff going on. All yeah, the time. yeah, yeah. And, and and with all due respect, and I think Beyonce's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really do, honest. Mm-hmm. But the halftime show. It's the solid gold dancers. Sure, sure. You know, let's not, it's not made for, and admittedly, you can't go play live out in the middle of a football field and have it sound any good. So put the Stanford band out there. Yeah. Or put a, put a big band. That's what they're made for. <laughs> yeah, let, yeah. let everything be acoustic. Yeah. Have a guy in the, in the crowd with a little trumpet, yeah, uh, a yeah, little yeah. horn, horn sex, horn section band. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That stuff like that. And, or a guy with a banjo, a real yeah. loud banjo. Sure, bring it down to the human level. In, at the San Francisco 49ers used to have an, an orchestra. Right. Uh, the, 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 um, uh, they were a jazz band, 18-piece jazz band. Yeah. With a ringer, the bit cable car ringer, Carl the cable car ringer. Yeah. That's 18 cats who got a paycheck on a Sunday, spreading the wealth a little bit. Zoom. Now it's just a tape recorder. And the thing, I think the thing that gets lost is that, like, when you do see somebody really sing and the, the sort of vulnerability of that. Exactly. Is that, like, I don't even know that people know how to react to it anymore exactly. because their entire body, you, it's overwhelming yeah. just to hear, like, the, the real fluctuation of a voice or an instrument, even missing a beat. Well, it's not only that. It's the, if you, I always say, if you want to know whether something's lip synced or not, don't yeah. watch. Yeah. Close your eyes and listen. And if the voice doesn't move around a little bit, if it doesn't right, come right. in and then you know it's not live right and it's just so amazing when you see real live shit you know because that's what it's about and that's what makes the human connection you know everything's so goddamn mechanical now you know i i totally agree with that but i i don't think there's a right or wrong on that i really don't i mean some people like the dance stuff that's just all electronic you know that sure no i get that that cold electronic dance stuff 
I can't stand it. But that doesn't mean I'm right. Yeah, machine music is fine if that's what you're you're buying a ticket for. Yeah. But I mean, if you're buying a ticket for someone to sing and play their fucking guitar, they oh. should be singing and playing their fucking guitar. Well, there, there's a technical reason. I get it. Why you don't have live bands at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Because you can't mic that that's up right. and get so, it yeah. through the thing. So therefore, we do it live. We fake it. Sure, sure. That, but, that's why we fake it. But this happens in concerts as well. I mean, that's it, what we're it, saying. It happens everywhere. It used in the in the award shows. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. We, yeah. The Grammys used to be all live, and then suddenly they get sloppy and Mike's feedback, and so American Music Awards comes along and kicks their butt with live. T- now the Grammys play catch up. Right. Now they're all just TV shows. They're right. Basically, they're TV shows. Yep, that's it. Can so I what, say that, or am I no, going to be No, of course you can. Ostracized. No. It's a terrible thing no, to say. You're not going to be ostracized. I, I, uh-huh. it's, it, it's, it's not I'm not mad be. at the Grammy. I'm really... <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Please, gonna. Grammy people. <laughs> I love the Grammys. <laughs> How many you got? One. Only oh. <laughs> one. Would love another one. All right. So what's the new record? What are you recording now? Well, no, what we're doing this this now is a sports 30th anniversary record. Okay. Which is going to be the original sports issued on CD. And then it's going to have another CD with all the same songs in the same sequence, but live throughout the 80s different parts of the world kind of thing okay so harder rock and roll from cleveland right you know uh want a new drug from australia that kind of thing so it's almost your if, it's almost your own bootleg in a way exactly yeah, yeah and it's yeah. a package with other stuff yeah total sports right. package right oh that's cool <laughs> do you ever think about um like a couple being more a marketing questions. executive no it sounds good yeah. it sounds like you talk to one anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's good man uh but we ever think about doing like I I recently was listening to some uh, blues radio show, and I heard this song and I was like, "What the fuck is that? That sounds great!" And and it was fucking Dion from Dion and the Belmont. Yeah, you know, playing straight up fucking original blues music. Right, and it's like he's still you know doing what he loves and do taking it to a different place. You ever think about just sitting down and getting a harp out and maybe recording with Muscle White or any of those cats or whatever the blues dude Yeah, I, that's interesting. I you know Hornsby always says that and you know we always joke like we'd make some blues record to take 2 days and make a blues record. Why not? Yeah, maybe. Absolutely. What do you I've, got to lose? I well, mean, I got I got a couple other things. We got some new material we've, we're working on yeah. actually. That one one song, one or two of which I think are really good. And um and um, and I we got, you know, I also got a couple commercial ideas. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you got to keep. You got to. You yeah, don't want to sure. work too hard. Yeah. Too much ambition. Yeah. At too ripe an age. Yeah. Is an ugly thing. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> it's hard not if it not to look desperate. Well, yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what, what, why do you see what, why? You know, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, move over, you know? <laughs> Make room for somebody else. Come on, old you man. You had your day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. what do we got to, what are these dinosaurs in I the I just way have for? to, that's why I got to make sure that all the choices are creative. That's, yeah. that's it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I yeah. did a uh, Deb Monk, who's a the great actress, man. Yeah. That's what she told me. She was the mama character when I did Chicago on Broadway. Uh-huh. I did the musical Chicago on yeah. Broadway, and she told me three three things I think about. Number one, is it money? Number two, is it a career move? And number three, is it something that I really want to do creatively? Right. And there and n- nothing's money anymore. For, you know, the money's not as great as it. And so, and there aren't any really any career moves. So. Right. So, you know. but you're all right. You're comfortable. I'm you're fine. Not, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. complaining. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, what about acting, man? I mean, I remember seeing you as uh, one of the three dudes in Shortcuts, and you did a couple other things. I mean, do you still want to do that? I mean, you were good, man. I, I, I love doing it when I don't, you know, when it's a good part. So yeah. It's fortunate I don't have to make my living as an actor. Yeah. And, take, you know, so if you if it's creative and it's fun, it's a, I mean, I, I love it, man. I think it's super creative. Yeah. For sh at short periods of time. How, how'd you get uh, hooked up with Bob Altman, though? He just called me, I mean, and uh, he was <laughs> yeah. a music fan. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. He's a music fan. Yeah, and yeah, and he was great, and 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 he drove me to Bakersfield to this location. He said, "Why don't you come with me?" And w which was like a three-hour drive, yeah. you know. Yeah, and we to the way up the location, and he it was like a, you know, it was a symposium. I mean, he he told me everything I needed to know. Or that's what he intended to tell. Me. Like what? Like know the character, learn the character, yeah. Know the character, yeah. So well that you know the character better than anybody else. He says sometimes you can bounce ideas off other people just to see whether or not, but you'll know how they respond and all that stuff. But basically, the choices are yours. Yeah. Oh, you got to remember that the choices are yours. You're the actor. You got to become the character. So take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. You know? And was he a good cat? Oh, the greatest man! He was, well, he was brilliant, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, he was a great movie maker, and he was so smart. Yeah. He, he would, and he could do, he could block a scene with six people in it. Yeah, you know, no, uh, there's a lot of people. Hardly anybody can even do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. In, in the amount of time that he could do, he could block a scene and say, "You do this, you do that, you do that." But no, wait a minute, wait, you enter from here and then do your thing here in the boat, and he'd block it all out, and then he put his arm around each one of you and say, "Give you a little business." If you didn't have any, if you only had one line, yeah, he'd say, "Okay, you you know where the car is, and right? You're concerned about are, are we going to remember where the car is, right? The parking place, okay? Yeah, and you 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 you're you know where the fishing spot is, and you want to make you know." It's fantastic. Wow. And then he'd say action, and, and he'd just take, and when he got it, he'd say, move, move. You yeah, know? that's it. Yeah, and then he'd, he'd encourage you to come watch the dailies, and when you watch the dailies, you see the movie. Yeah. Because it's so few takes of everything. Right, right. It's fantastic. Yeah. What a wizard, man. Amazing. Yeah. And now, one other thing. What, what, so that, because this, this is an interesting thing, and it's a real issue, that, you know, the, the, the Ghostbusters lawsuit. That. I can't talk about it. I, I just can't talk about it. I got in trouble last time. For oh, really? About it. Yeah, I can't. Well, in a general way, uh, uh, in terms of like you know intellectual property and that stuff, it's crazy, right? So, uh, and I, I will think about writers, like guys like you, comedy guys. Yeah. I mean, you write a great script, a great scene, or a joke, it goes viral. It's a, this huge thing yeah, that over. people are saying, and you make it. And what? What'd you? What'd you make? Uh, yeah, you nothing. know few hours yeah it's ridiculous well, the worst part about it is it's like when and this is for musicians too is that if somebody grabs your bit let's say you're trying to work out some shit and they put it up it kills the bit uh sometimes before you're not it's even, even ready yet right sometimes before it's yeah. even done yeah that's that's terrible and you can't you know what i mean and the, the need to keep up with people's appetite right. for content as a human being well you know it's fucking impossible well we ha we have a communication problem in this country uh-huh we can't stop yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We can stop now. <laughs> it's good talking to you, man. The greatest. Thanks. He, Huey Lewis, real guy, real story, good talk. Thank you for listening. Watch Marin on IFC tonight. Buy the book. Just finishing my corned beef. Um, what else can I tell you to do? Go to WTFPod.com. I'm going to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin tomorrow night at the Paps Theater. Come out for that. 
Uh, I don't know. It's been a big week. I'm going to just end it like that. You know, go to the website. Do what you got to do. Get a little just coffee.coop. Okay. All right. Okay. I can handle this. Okay.